Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's a blowout. Eighth what is up everybody welcome into another episode of flipping bats and we have a great one for you today the new manager of the los angeles angels Phil Nevin is about to join me. I have so many awesome questions to ask him about his first managerial experience, managing Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, having to win over a locker room. And you know what? He was an all-star player in his own right. So talking to him a little bit about that as well. But I'm so pumped for you all to hear this. Let's welcome him in now, Phil Nevin. Phil, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it, Ben. No problem. So first, let me ask you this. This year, you you join the Angels coaching staff. And how cool was that for you as a kid from Fullerton, California, to become to, to be on the coaching staff of your hometown team? Did you grow up an Angels fan? You know, I can, let me take this a step further. Yes, I did. I, it was Angels and Dodgers. Uh, my dad was a big Dodger fan, so... Back then, he would come home from work at like 5.30. We'd eat dinner, and we'd leave at like 6.30 to be at Dodger Stadium for a 7 o'clock game. Right now, if I left at 6.30 to go to a Dodger game, I, I might get there by about 50. <laughs> um, rode in the back of his truck and everything back in, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. But um, I did grow up a big Angels fan. I can take it one step further. In high school, I spent one year for my summer job. I sold souvenirs at Angel Games. Um, no the job way. Hopefully this one lasts a little bit longer. I had a, uh, <laughs> I was the guy that would carry the basket around, you know, the foam fingers and the programs and everything. And I, uh, I didn't do too well in sales because I would just like stop at the end of the aisle and I'd stand there and watch games. And I remember Jim Abbott's first game. I was, I was actually doing that and I actually was let go. Uh, I didn't make it through the whole season because I wasn't selling enough stuff. And basically it was, <laughs> You know, you're 17 years old or 16 or whatever it was, and you see some buddies in the stands, and they're making fun of you, so you don't want to go down that aisle anymore. And I sat there and watched the games, and, um, yeah, I didn't get much sales done, and, uh, yeah, I was I was let go from that one uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever imagine, could you have ever dreamed that one day you would not only play for the Angels because you had a year there, but you would also end up managing the Angels. Was that ever in your wildest dreams? You know, I mean, playing here was really cool. Um, coming back here this year as a coach was was exciting for me. A lot going on. My, you know, my son was in the middle of finishing up college, so I knew he'd be home for a good part of the summer. Um, my granddaughter was born seven and a half weeks ago. So I was able, I knew I'd be able to spend a lot of time with her and my family. I'm about an hour and 20 minutes from my house. So it's, 
we do have a little apartment here right by the stadium, but I'm able to go home sometimes after games during the week at night, certainly after day games, days off. I was able to spend all yesterday at home with, with everybody. My, my, my daughter came over and my son-in-law with my granddaughter and I spent the whole day with her, watched my, watched Tyler, uh, my son now with the Orioles there in Toronto, got to see his game last night on TV barbecue and hang out by the pool. And, um, no, it's, it is, uh, you know, if you were to sit out and plan like a perfect team and situation, um, this would certainly be it. That's awesome. And, and the other day that, you know, dream became a reality. You become a manager. It's for your hometown team. How was that moment for you? What was the moment like that you found out you were going to become the manager of the Angels? Well, well, it happened quick. I mean, let's say, and I don't want to glorify the day. Um, it was not, it, obviously, this isn't how I anticipated things happening uh, to, to be in this role. Um, it was more of a sad day for me when I first heard the news. Joe Madden's a, a special person to me. I played for him in 1998 when I was a member of the Angels. He was the bench coach. Uh, I was excited to work with him. And, you know, it was a great first three months. We had certainly had some highs and some lows. I've learned a lot from him. He's a friend. Uh, he's somebody that I leaned on and I took a lot of things from him. But right away when, when I was called by Perry and, and we met for a short time, Joe and I had a conversation and it really put me at ease as far as walking into that room and accepting what this role is role now is. He told me to just be myself. Uh, this is something I've worked for for a long time. Take it and run with it. Um, so I felt better about walking into that room, especially his office, which I, I didn't go in the first day. But, um, you know, as this plays out and, and the way the routine goes, you know, it's it's part of the job and being in there. Um, so that transition Joe made, you know, he made it easy for me to walk in that room. But certainly um, there comes with it some excitement, uh, but it was more getting into a routine and understanding it yesterday with the day off. I keep hitting this thing and it's shaking. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to quit talking with my hands. So it, uh, it was certainly, you know, yeah, I was able to sit back yesterday and understand, uh, take a moment to just, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lucky, I'm lucky to have this opportunity. And now what do we do? And my mind was racing all day yesterday on things that, you know, can make us better. And, um, with the players, with the staff, with the, the co with the clubhouse management, the training staff, and getting it all working together. And I think the day off was a nice little reset for everybody. And we head up to LA this afternoon, and, and I think we'll have some sense of normalcy. Well, I think it's important to add that this Angels team is ready to win and ready to win now. And they don't make a move like they did in the middle of a season if they don't believe in you as the manager you can be, which is pretty cool, I think, and uh, a, a credit to you and the person you are. Who was, uh, who was the first phone call that you made after you were able to step back, realize what was happening? Who was your first phone call? My son, my, my oldest son. He was, uh, he was actually getting ready to go off for batting practice. I think they were in <laughs> Kansas City. They might, I think they were in Kansas City. They might have been home, but uh he had, we had spoke, we had just got off the phone and, um, and then I received the phone call. And then as soon as that was over, I spoke with Perry for a little bit. And then, yes, I, uh, 
Tyler was my first call. Um, it was a good one. It was similar to like when he told me he was going to the big leagues. Uh, That's so you know cool. some emotional stuff, and and you know, hey, look at in this line of work. You know, as I've been coaching now since you know 2009. You know, I played up until six. I was home for two years, but um, everybody talks about the grind I went through. To me, it was never a grind. I, I enjoyed every second of it. The relationships right. I made. The places I was able to go, um, the knowledge I gained, the learning experiences I had, the grind now was my family. Uh, you know, dad's not there for every high school game as I would have been, little league, uh, then his draft day and going through the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, you're not home as a husband, you're not home as a dad, you're not home as now a grandfather. Uh, you know, those are things that are a grind on them, you know, for them having to fly across country to see their dad for, yeah, I know they enjoyed their yeah. times at the field and all that, but you're not home every single day. I made as much effort as I could to get home. But so for them, it's kind of, they understood what the journey was and him being a big league player. Now he understood it a great deal. So it was an emotional call. Of course, uh, he's, you know, when your kids tell you they're proud of you, that's pretty cool, you know. So that's, that's <laughs> you're supposed that's to be really telling cool, them, man. You know. Well, the cool thing is you've both gotten to give each other a call and you tell each other you're proud of each other, and that's really cool. Um, so you become the manager of this team that's full of superstars. And legitimately, you might not be wrong to say the two best players in all of baseball are on this team. What is that first meeting? Like when you address the team for the first time, what what was the message that you wanted to give to to your team? Well, you know, you don't when these things happen. It's usually under uh, circumstances that you know. Well, we weren't playing well, as everybody knows. I believe we were at eleven or twelve in a row at that time. Uh, yeah. The first thing I said to them was how proud I was of them, of how they've been handling the streak. I mean, you come into the clubhouse every day, you would think that we were winning a lot of games. They were preparing every day to win. The, the, the practice work was great. Their batting practice work was great. The camaraderie in that room is phenomenal. We got some really, really cool dudes in there that they get each other. You can tell the closeness of this group. So my message really was that I was proud of them. And then you take it, you know, their post game, the way that room was post game, you could tell uh, the pain on their face after losses. You can tell how much they cared. And that means a heck of a lot to a manager, to a coach. Um, you know they want to win. You know they want to figure it out. And it was just a matter of kind of getting that first one and then, okay, maybe we can go on from here. Uh, we got that Thursday. Uh, we ran into a tough club with the Mets. Uh, we lost two out of three, but we were in all the games. We played very well. The off day, like I said yesterday, was was probably good for a lot of people to step back and reset, take a deep breath. Uh, we head out on the road right now, which I think will be good for us. And but when you, like you said, when you have two of the best players really in the world, um, you might want to throw Andy Rendon in pretty close to that category as well. Um, sure. Tony, uh, Anthony Rendon, and I mean, I got there's a lot of talented players here, and for a first year manager, you don't usually get to walk into those situations. Uh, you know, Aaron Boone certainly did in New York, uh, Alex in Boston, but. Um, usually these things don't happen this way. So I, I definitely feel very fortunate to have those guys. And when your best players on your team are also some of the best dudes and leaders, um, that's half the battle in this because they control that room. They make that room special for their, their teammates as well as the other 
you know, 26, seven guys in the room. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of weight off my shoulders, knowing that that room's taken care of by those guys. What kind of leader is Shohei Otani in the locker room? We see what he does on the field. His play speaks for itself. But what kind of leader is he for this team? Well, I can tell you, his personality is something that not a lot of people get to see. And I'm fortunate behind closed doors to get to know Shohei. <laughs> He's just a wonderful human being. Um, he loves this game. Um, I would say as far as people with knowledge about this game, throughout the inner workings and how – uh, what makes winning players? What are winning plays in a game? Uh, I'm not sure I've been around many better than Shohei, whether it's base running, uh, fundamentals of the game, understanding preparation, understanding what has happened in the past. He can tell you, I'm sure, every player that's ever that he's ever faced and what he's done. Uh, he knows exactly who is swinging the bat well, who's not, and who sees his pitches better. He's he's so brilliant. Um it, it almost matches his talent on the field, and that's what makes him great. Wow. Um, and Mike Trout, I can say the same thing about it. I mean, I know we're talking about those two players, but and, and they're, they're obviously always a topic of conversation, but Mike Trout is, is, is exactly the same way. So like I said, you, when you have those two guys uh, together, uh, it makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> I, I bet it does. With, so Shohei is one of the most unique I think he's the most unique player we've ever seen. And I'm sure with that comes along some pressure, maybe maybe some pressure managing a guy like that. How do you now, tasked with this job, how do you manage Shohei Otani? I will say this. he's. I take pride in, in communicating with players and each guy, but, I mean, he's the same way. Our, our, our conversations and our communication – from the get-go, has been outstanding. Right up until you know Saturday night, um, he came to me and and we kind of had a discussion about what Sunday would be like. And to get him off his feet on Sunday and then and just have all day yesterday off, uh, you know, he understands his body. He understands when it's a good time to take a day and take a take a little bit of a rest. And he mentioned that to me about Sunday, um, and I trust him. Uh, you know, there's nobody in the world that's doing what he's doing. Um, it hasn't been done before. It's unprecedented, obviously. Um, you know, he had a regimented schedule last year. It's pretty much the same this year. We plan well out and ahead, but there's going to be times like this weekend where he just says, hey, my body needs a day tomorrow, and, you know, and I got Monday too, and I reset by Tuesday. Um, you know, the, having those off days is going to make for a better show. Hey, a tiny down the road. I know the ESPN people didn't care for it too much for Sunday, but uh, <laughs> they had been framing I, that game as like the Troutani show. And <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Buster actually asked me about that middle of the game. And I just said, Hey, the more healthy and the more fresh we can keep Shohei throughout the year. Trust me, we're going to be having a lot more times on ESPN for the world to see him. So, <laughs> Uh, so th this team, we've talked about the superstars. We know there are plenty of superstars, but this team as a whole is very talented. And this offseason went out and addressed the obvious um, weak spots in the pitching. The pitching rotation has a lot of really good arms. Then in the bullpen, you add Bradley, Loop, Seinbeck, Iglesias. Um, this team is built to win. Is How does this team, and, and what do you have to do to make the playoffs? Well, that was really one of the first conversations as a group of players that I had was with that bullpen. 
having them understand what they're going to be like each day. Uh, I think it's, it's always been important for me. I, I kind of learned that from some, some great managers I played for in the past. I thought Bruce Bochy was one of the best at handling a pen. And he had those conversations each day with his players, he, especially the bullpen guys. He touched each one of them, um, understood where they were each day. And I think that communication creates an honest relationship, you know, between myself and that, that player. Um, I know where he's at each day. He understands where I'm at and what he might be doing. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say we have set roles and somebody has the seventh and the eighth. And obviously, Iggy pitches the ninth majority of the time, but um, for them to understand what they, where I might shoot them that day, um, I do believe that it's, you know, for them, it's you have certain guys that are better accustomed to coming in with fresh innings. There's guys that are that can really handle that heat and coming in, in the middle of an inning and getting some outs. Archie Bradley got some big outs this week for us. Uh, coming in with traffic in the middle of a game. One happened to be in the third inning, and then I think I did it again in the fourth inning uh, a couple days later, and, and he was phenomenal in that role. Uh, I anticipate, you know, but he also can come in in a cleaning. He's closed games before. He's set up. He's been a long man. He understands the inner workings of that, and I've just told him to be ready for anything. I communicate with him just as I do with the loop, but to para, um, you know, Kahata, we have so many good arms out there. And it's for me, it's just important for them to understand where they're at that day. Um, but that is going to be a strength of ours. You, as you know, uh, playoff teams and teams that go far in these in these seasons, um, their bullpens are strong. Uh, they have, you know, the, not necessarily roles defined, but those guys understand where they're at each day. And I think that's a, a model for success. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yep, I agree completely. Uh, June 7th. Your first game as manager. Really cool moment, I have to believe. But what were the nerves like that day? Were you nervous? I Honestly, Ben, I don't think I had time to be nervous. I found out about 12.30. <laughs> Funny story, and I've told it a, a time or two. Uh, we did the media deal before, and I went out to do the stuff in the dugout. And, um, you know, obviously the bulk of the questions are Shohei Otani and work this and that. And, they asked me where he was hitting. And at that point it dawned on me like, Oh my God, I got to make a lineup for the game. I done that. <laughs> uh, so I said, well, you know, he's going to hit second. I played it off. And as soon as I got inside, I, I went to Ray Montgomery, my bench coach. And I said, Ray, we need to make a lineup. And by the way, Shohei's in second. We're, we're starting there. So. <laughs> but like I said, each day came a little more uh, with some normalcy and structure, but I think when the game started, the national anthem was when the first time I had a chance to just kind of stop and breathe and take it all in. And it's like, oh, okay, here we go. But I have a tremendous staff. Uh, these, you know, we've worked together as a group this whole time. That's not going to change. Uh, Where that was a close, that's a close group in that room. It remains that way. Uh, it really could have been any of us. There's a lot of guys with experience that I'm going to lean on uh, throughout this process. But I know we were prepared and you, you, you know, nervousness comes from people that, that for me, that they're not prepared to enter a situation. And 
And I know going into a game in between the conversations I have with my pitching coach, my hitting coach, really the entire staff, and especially Ray Montgomery, who's been as prepared as anyone before games, and he's by my side. Uh, he's a friend I've had for 30 years. We were in each other's weddings 28, 29 years ago, believe it or not, and just kind of reconnected this year. We were roommates in AAA, so uh, he uh, – He's awesome, and I, you know, I'm I'm lucky to have him. Um, so, I, like I said, we're prepared every day, so that takes away some of the nerves. But certainly during that first anthem, I was, uh, yeah, it hit me a little bit. So, this is probably the hardest hitting question you'll get this entire time. But I believe that first game you managed was the 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 night that everybody had Nickelback songs walking up. So, my my yeah. question to you is. If you were to have a Nickelback song, let's say you go out to make a pitching change, what would your song of choice have been? You know, Ben, I'm not a great music guy, but I will say this. (laughs) Every inning, I think, is whoever was the last hitter that came up. And I don't really pay attention to those songs, but all of a sudden I'm humming. I'm saying I can't get these songs out of my head. Uh, I woke up the next morning. I woke up the next morning, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm I start singing, look at this photograph, you know, that one. And I can't believe it. Good thing I was by myself. But it's, uh, I just kept, and you got the deep voice. I tried different, I mean, I'm laying in bed singing. (laughs) I'd have to say that one is probably because the only one I can tell you the exact words off the top of my head. It's also that night was Shohei's walk up. And then morning you woke up singing that was Shohei's start on the mound in which he did it was a showtime performance started on the mound did fantastic hit a homer had a couple of hits and then i i feel like you're going to forever look back you know your first win as a manager is something you always remember i have to think but for it to come amidst a a, a tough losing streak and to have shohei otani literally put his team on the back and say this is over that had to be a really cool feeling. And uh, so, yeah, that, that first win for you, how awesome was that when it finally got done? And Shohei, who got the game ball, I heard this, so tell me if I'm correct here. Shohei gave you the game ball after the game in the locker room. It, it was actually the ball, the home run ball. Somebody had given him the ball and he hit the home run. Wow. It was the home run ball. But when we came in the clubhouse, he, he handed it to me. Um, actually, the PR there was one of our PR people uh, gave it to Shohei and I was standing right there and he turned and handed it to me. And every time I walked by him, he kind of looks at me now and says, manager, you know, like that. And he said, Hey, manager. (laughs) it was, it was neat. And then there there was some, you know, after the game, look at this game is about the players. It always will be. Um, I know what the narrative was that day. Um, And I told, I thanked him for that. I let him know that this was about them. It has nothing to do with me, but for, a few seconds there, uh, some guys got up and said a few words, and it meant a lot. So for a few moments there, I just told them I thanked them for that, and um, this was a really cool moment for myself. Um, but it stemmed from what our team did that day, and that's what was most important to see all those guys. Uh, you know, the pain. Like I said, you know, it's a painful deal to go through two weeks of not winning a game, especially when you're that talent of a club and you care that much. Yeah. And, uh, to see their faces after the game, to see their reaction after we won, um, and to hear some kind words from, from some of the players, it certainly meant a lot to me. You were in New York with the Yankees for, I believe, four years. Um, and, and that team, obviously, full of superstars. It's in under the bright lights. What's something you learned 
with your time in New York under Aaron Boone and being with guys like Aaron Judge and superstars there, what's something you learned that you take with you today in your managerial days? Well, for me, getting to watch Booney interact with media and people and every day, uh, you know, Aaron and I have been friends since high school. I, I played with his brother in high school and in the big leagues, but um, watching Aaron Boone, uh, the way he interacted with everybody on a daily basis is the race, the relationships he made with the players, how he handles people. Um, I can't tell you how much it meant to me for one to be in this position now. I mean, heck, if I had this opportunity four years ago, I really believe I'm a better person from being around a guy like Aaron Boone for the last four years um, and seeing how he handles everybody around him. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to try to be Aaron Boone. I can't do that. Uh, but I certainly had learned a lot from him on how he handles the media, how he handled his players. Uh, he's an extremely positive guy, as we know. Um, and, and, he, you, and he does it on a much larger scale, obviously. I mean, we are in Los Angeles, and obviously um, – uh, there's a there's a huge following with with Shohei here too, but um, you know I it's not like some places where it's just two or three people in front of me each day. I have a full room each night, and um, you know I've formed relationships with all those people, and I will continue to do that to make those conversations easier when we do go into that media room after the game, whether it's good or bad. Uh, you want to have those relationships. I saw I watched Aaron do it, and I think it was very valuable for him. Um, to be able to have those conversations with them. And uh, so I, I, mostly I take that. I mean, and that's stuff that's away from the field. I mean, the game takes care of itself. Like I said, the, the preparation before games, I got great people around me to help me with that. And, and, uh, but the, the underlying things that people don't really see your relationships with players, your communication with them, your staff, the training staff, the media, the clubhouse people, everybody's important. We're all in this together. Um, when you win a championship, everybody gets the same looking ring. We're all going to look the same. It doesn't look, <laughs> you know, it doesn't look more, it doesn't look better because you're managing or you're, um, you're doing the laundry and it, it, everybody's as important as the next guy. <laughs> in there. It's uh, and, and we make it special for everybody. So you, you learn a lot from him and in particular, you mentioned like the relationships you build with players. Was that something, so you take over as, as manager and did you take it upon yourself? Did you want to meet one-on-one -on -one with, with the superstars of the team and talk to them? Did you bring in Mike Trout, who's one of the greatest of all time, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon? Did you bring those guys in and talk to them individually and start to build those relationships that it's different, that managerial player relationship? It, it is. It certainly is. I mean, there's – you know, I've always thought that, you know, the, the coaches can have different relationships with players than the manager can. Um, if my relationships with players cross the line to where I can't have those difficult conversations with them because of your feelings or your care towards, I care about all of them, I love all of them. Um, but I will have to have those difficult conversations at times with players. And if you cannot have those conversations because of where your relationship's gotten with somebody then you've gone too far in that or you've gone about it the wrong way. Um, as far as meeting with Mike and Shohei, I met with all of them. I met with all of them as a group. Um, I, I've gone around and had individual conversations with each player, uh, not just the players, but the staff, uh, our training staff, and everybody involved around the room. Um, I, I think those conversations are important. It's part, part of being a, a good club. Yeah. So, look, I, I couldn't be – 
more happy and, and more pumped up for you as a manager. But for now, enough about being a manager. You were a big league all-star in your own right, and that's what I want to talk about now. In 2001, you make an all-star team. You're in a locker room with Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Randy Johnson. I was looking back at that all-star team. I was like, this is ridiculous. When you look back on that all-star game in 2001, what's a story that comes to mind from that year? Oh, that's easy. That's the year Tommy got hit with the bat in the third base coaching box, if you remember. That's Vladimir Guerrero uh, was up. He broke his bat, and Tommy Lasorda was coaching third, and the head of the bat went down. And, I mean, thankfully, it just clipped him in the shoulder, but Tommy went rolling backwards. His hat <laughs> fell off. So everybody remembers that moment uh, during that all-star game. But it, it's certainly we go to Seattle, actually, this weekend, and, and every time I go back there, it's certainly a special moment for me um, because of – because of that game, so it. Uh, but but as far as stories go from that game, that's the one I remember the most. That and my son being on the field, uh, I believe he was four or five years old. Somehow he still remembers it. He's got a memory like an elephant. But he, uh, <laughs> it, it, we we discussed it often, and and so those are the really the two greatest memories I had from from that game. That's great. Early early on in your career, you played for the Detroit Tigers organization, actually, and your manager for you know for a time there was Sparky Anderson, one of the greatest to ever do it as a manager, which is pretty cool. And now you're in those shoes as a big league manager. Did you learn anything? And I know this is a long time ago, and you were a player, but looking back, do you take anything from your time with one of the greatest to ever do it and use it today? Oh, oh, of course. Uh, you know, he was a Southern California guy. I knew Sparky before I got to the Tigers, actually. He he was around Cal State Fullerton a little bit. Um, but, I mean, just walking into that room and Sparky Anderson's your manager, uh, a special guy, meant a lot to me. He was one of those guys that, obviously, during this week, I wish I could have made a phone call to. Um, you know, a special person to me. He, You know, I only spent a short time with him, but I feel like he created – uh, quite a bond with all his players right away, his, you know, including myself and only being around him those two months. Um, certainly, you know, our relationship grew. We saw each other away from the field during the off season and, and uh, you know, certainly somebody I, I missed great, a great deal, especially being in this situation and knowing that I could lean on him for advice or in, in any situation. But he became a friend after I played for him uh, and certainly miss him to this day. The Tigers organization is incredible with that, man. Just being around and another one that I wish I could talk to to this day, but Mr. Kaline and I, you know, oh. built a relationship just from being around the team. He's always around spring training, Alan Trammell, Kirk Gibson. I mean, the names in the Tigers organization, but Mr. Kaline was always to me one of the best human beings off of the field, as well as one of the best players of all time on the field. So, uh, the Tigers organization was a cool one to be a part of, for sure. And I wish I had gotten to know Sparky Anderson, as you said, as well. Um, some fun questions for you before we finish up here. First of which being, who would be the toughest pitcher that you ever faced? Pedro. <laughs> that was Got any knocks off of him? That's easy. Uh, Pedro, you embarrassed me on a Sunday night game. I think I struck out four <laughs> times. And I will say... Uh, in my last season, 2006, I faced your brother. He was a rookie. Um, we were in Texas, 
And I remember Pudge was catching for the Tigers. And we were, it was kind of, I think it was like one of those five o'clock games. And I just remember yeah. Justin throwing me a fastball that I, I never saw. And it sounded firm. <laughs> I looked up at the board and it was 100 miles an hour. And I turned around. I'm like, geez, like that. And Pedro goes, or Yvonne uh, uh, Rodriguez Pudge looks up at me and just kind of started laughing. He goes, oh, yeah, he throw hard. And you can't see anything. Catching. <laughs> and the scouting report was on the time, Justin, good live fastball, doesn't have good command of his breaking ball. Well, the second pitch, in fact, was a breaking ball that it looked like it was a fastball that started right at my face. And I almost hit the dirt. And it comes back and breaks over the plate, strike two. And that's when I realized – I'm pretty close to the end here. This is about it. <laughs> if this is what all these kids are like coming from the minor leagues, I have zero chance. And uh, I didn't get any hits that day. I told your brother that story before, but I would say, and I only got to face him uh, a couple times that season, but I would probably put your brother in that category because he was one of the first where I realized I'm done. So, uh, That's great. I mean, we we can we'll blame it on the five o'clock shadows in that game. Um, <laughs> I will say, but, hey, he, Phil, he also he also sent me a really he also sent me a nice message the other day, and I appreciate. It. I had some good times with, with with your brother, of course, in Detroit, and and over the years we've had some good conversations, and and I really appreciated that too. So that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations again on becoming a manager of the Angels. I'm so pumped for you. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it, and good luck the rest of the way, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Thanks. All right, I wanted to thank Phil Nevin for joining me. What an awesome conversation, and really cool to be able to talk to a guy that just became a manager for the first time and is managing a team with the superstars, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. It was a really cool conversation to me, and uh, I am now a big fan of his. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. He is an awesome human being. But thank you all so much for listening. This has been a blast. Make sure you download, subscribe to podcasts wherever you listen to it, wherever you're listening to it right now. We're also on social media at Flippin' Bats Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can watch every episode, the video on YouTube. We also have a TikTok as well. But thank you all for joining me. I will see you all tomorrow on Flippin' Bats. Peace.